0: Welcome to AJHP Voices, now comprising interviews on contemporary pharmacy issues and discussions with AJHP authors. The service was formerly known as AJHP Podcasts. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. This is William Zelmer for AJHP Voices. Before introducing my guest, I want to encourage listeners to give ASHB feedback on the AJHP Voices program. At your convenience, please click on the listener survey at the AJHP Voices website and answer the questions there. It will take less than two minutes, and your responses will help ensure that this program serves listeners well. I'm pleased to have as my guest, C. Richard Talley, who is retiring at the end of 2014 as editor-in-chief of the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy. Richard, who succeeded me as editor of the journal, has served in this position for more than 22 years, longer than any of his predecessors. He first joined the ASHB staff as senior assistant editor of the journal in 1978, after completing a residency and serving a number of years as assistant director of the pharmacy department at Harris Hospital in Fort Worth, Texas. Richard, let's start from the beginning. What led you to become a pharmacist?
1: Well, it was a strange process. I started college thinking I would be a dentist. And in fact, I went as far as to take the dental aptitude test, did okay on it, and Then I uh, spent some time during college breaks observing my hometown dentist doing his work for several weeks at a time. And I began to realize this just wasn't something I wanted to do. So I had to come up with a plan. What am I going to do with all of these hours in biological sciences? And I realized that pharmacy would be a good fit for that. So I worked some internship hours in the community pharmacy, I didn't see myself doing that as a career, but someone in pharmacy school helped me get a job in the pharmacy of a local hospital, and that was more exciting, and then once I left there and did a residency, uh, it all seemed like a very promising career.
0: So, Richard, it sounds like healthcare in general was an attractive field to you when you began thinking of college. Is that right?
1: It is. Part of that is that my mother was a nurse, and I had seen what she did, and another part of it was in a small town I grew up in, you didn't see a lot of options in business or the like, which uh, some people would get into if they lived in a larger town or city.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you've alluded to how you found yourself in hospital pharmacy, and you did have a significant career in hospital pharmacy practice
1: before coming to ASHP. Could you comment on that a little bit? I think a chief element of that is who ran the pharmacy internship. It was Leo Godley. He was a past president of ASHP. He was a charter member of ASHP, a Whitney Award winner, and he was just a very inspiring person to work for. After I finished the residency, he offered me a staff job, and I took that. And it evolved into uh, being the assistant director uh, before I left there after six years of practice. But we did just about everything, IV admixtures, pharmacists, decentralized stations, unit dose drug distribution. It was a very advanced operation. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Given your position on the ASHP staff for over 30 years, you've been in a great position to observe changes in hospital pharmacy over that period of time. What stands out in your mind about the changes you observed?
1: Well, I think broadly, it's expanded roles for pharmacists, ensuring rational therapy, patient safety, and containing costs. A lot of that has been enhanced by technologies that pharmacists have been able to use PIXA stations sort of replaced unit dose drug distribution. There were robotics used in drug distribution as well. TPN compounding, protecting compounded personnel from exposure to drugs. Barcode technology, uh, programmable IV pumps, and sort of mobile versions of drug information. Now, there's also the growing awareness that uh, pharmacists could reduce medication errors and achieve cost reductions uh, at the same time. And I think this was important in terms of a cost-conscious era of saying, well, what's the value of the pharmacist? And this became an important one. Another thing we've seen more recently with the All PharmD program, you have just about every hospital in the country having involvement with precepting students. Now, there are many hospitals involved in residency Training uh, and their involvement with teaching, but students in all hospitals has been a big change, and we've had a lot of questions on how to do that. Well, that's, a, that's
0: some very interesting points, Richard, uh, given the vantage point and the closest you've had to observing all those changes. It strikes me also that in the field of publishing, including scientific and professional journals, this has changed greatly during your years of service to ASHB. And from your perspective, what were the key changes there? And you might want to
1: comment a bit, too, on how that affected AJHP. The changes in biomedical publishing generally uh, are pretty much the same as they are for AJHP. And if there's one word that would sum all of us up, I would say the Internet changed everything. It changed the way we could deliver the content uh, quicker and continuously. Information became available to everyone, not just journal readers and I want to comment on that again in a moment. In some ways, uh, electronic services like this reduced costs. You didn't have to use paper or mail if you decided to be online only. And then in the front end, the interactions with authors, reviewers, and editors was much enhanced. Then there were a slew of different electronic enhancements to journals online, such as video and audio and timelines and there will probably be a lot more changes there. The question I wanted to go back to a moment was, now everybody can be published. And that sort of raises the question, well, how does the user who's not familiar with, well, scientific literature per se, as opposed to information on the internet generally, I think there is still an awful lot of question about what's the validity of what I'm seeing on the internet and I think the answer to that is traditional publishers probably do a good job of maintaining the quality of that information. And of course, we know there's a lot of bogus information out there from others.
0: Well, AJHP has certainly had a rich history in the annals of pharmacy publishing, and this goes back in large part to the editorship in the formative years of the journal of Donald E. Frankie. Did his legacy influence how you approach your responsibility as editor-in-chief?
1: It certainly did. I met Don years before I came on the staff and I was just impressed by his intelligence and the way he thought through things. Reading his editorials gave you the impression that he wanted pharmacists to practice in a very meaningful way, to get beyond drug distribution and do things that would provide a societal purpose for the profession. He thought pharmacists should do more with the knowledge that they had And that was an important point that I think we try to do with the journal today. He had great insight and vision, focused on pharmacy, not only in this country, but internationally. And that was an influence as well.
0: Richard, as you reflect on your editorship, if I were to ask you uh, what two or three facets of your service are you particularly proud of, what would you put on that list?
1: Well, I think you know that ASHP's membership is really diversified. We have all sorts of sections, and it seems to grow every year. New practitioners, students, informaticists, etc. So we have tried to put something for those people in the journal, specifically marked so that they would recognize it instantly as content, uh, hoping to reflect their interests. Another issue that I've been involved with quite a while is advocating for expanded use of technology, not only in the capture of keystrokes, but certainly all the enhancements to the journal that you can do online, which require some study to figure out which are the best ones, what, what can we afford. And then a third issue would be in a court case we were sued for defaming a product and we went to court over this and it ended up the the court saying that, well, journal editors and authors and reviewers actually do have a right to say what they think. They can be candid in their concerns about products and not have to worry about being sued just because they said something that the manufacturer wished they wouldn't say. And I think this is something that's valuable throughout biomedical publishing.
0: Richard, your friends know that you have a great passion for reading and studying American and English literature. Could you just comment on that interest of yours? And I guess I'm also interested in knowing whether that has influenced in some way your work on
1: A.J.H.P. Well, I have read a lot in my life, and I continue to do that. I think the broadest perspective on that is the best novels sort of expand human understanding and perhaps even empathy for people different from ourselves that broadly helps me be more compassionate with coworkers and authors in terms of how that's affected my career. People have asked me, how did you prepare for this job? And I said, well, I've read an awful lot, maybe millions of very well constructed sentences. And I think that helps me create my own and recognize that in others and, and help them write clearer.
0: Well, Richard, as you, um leave this position as editor-in-chief and move to a new phase of your life. I'm certain you've got some thoughts about what lies in the future for AJHP. What are your hopes for the future of the journal?
1: I hope that the journal will continue to try to attract the very best writing and research in pharmacy. Many pharmacists are now doing work with physicians, and I'm seeing some of the articles that come out of that work being published in medical journals rather than pharmacies. And I'd like to see us maintain some method of attracting, perhaps enhancing the attractiveness of the journal for authors of that sort. And then to continue to enhance the product with the most useful and engaging electronic enhancements. Some of those are expensive, so that will be a challenge as well. I guess the last thing is that I hope that one day ASHP can get around to publishing the online, the content that was published in print only between 1943 and 1966. Right now it's only in paper form.
0: Richard, what about your personal plans for retirement? What do you uh, see occupying your time in the years ahead?
1: Well, travel has certainly been an interest of mine. Uh, I hope that my wife and I can travel in the United States and abroad see more of the world. Reading is another thing I would like to spend more time with. Uh, Going beyond just reading and getting into studying, I can imagine perhaps taking some college courses in literature, sort of get a deeper understanding of what the author was saying when he wrote what he wrote. And then, of course, my wife and sons will uh, have ideas for me that uh, I don't even know yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Richard, on a number of levels, first of all, for taking time for this interview, which I appreciate very much. I know listeners will be quite interested in uh, your reflections. Thank you for your outstanding service to ASHP and best wishes to you for your retirement.
1: Well, thanks for those comments, Bill. It's really been an amazing adventure to be part of this for so long.
0: Before signing off, I want to again encourage listeners to give ASHP feedback on the AJHP Voices program, including suggestions for future topics in the series. Please go to the AJHP Voices website and click on the listener survey. Your input will be much appreciated. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org.